This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Returning this morning again to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Twenty twenty has come to a close, and I think a lot of folks just want to say amen and good riddance. The only problem is we don't know what 2021 is going to be like, do we? We don't know if it's going to be any better as far as what happens with our circumstances. But what we can rejoice in is the fact that the Lord is in control, just like He was last year. Adversity brings out what is really inside a person. And for Good News Baptist Church, the trials of 2020 brought out, I believe, the best in us like I have never witnessed it before. We know we have a very special church family here. But I witnessed in 2020 God's people doing extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit to be a blessing and a minister to others. The level of caring and giving was profound as people demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. In light of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying here, Matthew 5 to 7, I have witnessed in our assembly true kingdom righteousness. Righteousness is fulfilling our obligations to God. It's citizens of heaven's kingdom who are saved, regenerated, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, who yield to the Lord and He produces His fruit through them. And then those citizens of the world can see there's something different. There's something alive. There's something real because of what God has done in us for His own glory. However, practicing kingdom righteousness makes heaven's citizens vulnerable. It does. It makes us vulnerable. You say, how so? Well, since believers still have this old flesh, we can defile our good deeds with wrong motives or try to cover bad deeds with hypocrisy. Let me say that again. Because of this flesh, we can defile our good deeds with wrong motives or try to cover our bad deeds with hypocrisy, pretending to be what we're really not at the time, if we're not right with the Lord. Matthew 5.1 tells us that Jesus saw the multitudes, and at this point in his earthly ministry, large crowds were following him. But when he saw the multitudes, he left those crowds and went up into a mountain with only his disciples, with only the citizens of the kingdom, to teach them about righteous kingdom living. What kingdom citizens are on the inside matters. And that changes their behavior on the outside. So the Lord starts with those beatitudes, how when we 
are broken in spirit and empty of ourselves and we yield to him, the, that's what enables us for righteousness. And then the Lord is specific about uh, once we're enabled and, and, and we're right with him and yielded, uh, that we look at the law differently, not as Pharisees and religious people. Uh, we look at the completion of the law as the Lord gave it and the spirit of the law as he intended it. Jesus also taught them that what they are had to counter in their thinking and in their living what they saw in the religious leaders of their day, the Pharisees. And the best way to describe what those Pharisees were, and the Lord talks about it over and over, he calls them hypocrites. It was hypocrisy. And so as God's people, as heaven's citizens, the one danger that we have to be careful of mainly is this flesh, one of the three enemies, the world, the devil, the flesh, that can still defeat us if we're not yielded to the Lord. And certainly we can be affected by the religiosity around us. People that think that their good works are going to get them to heaven. And so they say some of the same things we do. They claim to believe some of the same things we do. And, and they do religious works. But we have to realize that we don't, we don't do it just for the work's sake. We do it to please our Lord and bring glory to Him. And so chapter 6 begins Jesus' teaching, comparing kingdom righteousness to religious hypocrisy. Comparing kingdom righteousness with religious hypocrisy. Three areas reveal our righteousness like nothing else. Okay. We, we tend to say, well, so-and-so loves the Lord, or... We, we want to think that folks are spiritual. Well, if that's really true, these three areas prove it. Almsgiving, praying, and fasting. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to take some time to talk about fasting. One of my goals for our church family in 2021 is that the Lord would teach us to pray and fast. And by the way, after the holidays, we could all probably use some fasting. Uh, but what, what is it really for? And you know what? It is one of the spiritual secrets uh, through which God wants to empower us more and use us uh, in, in greater ways. And so the three areas that reveal our righteousness, like nothing else, almsgiving, praying, and fasting, but these areas can also become worthless if we are hypocritical and do them for the praise of men. Say, why did we single out those three areas? Well, those are the three areas in this sermon that Jesus pulls out and sets up for us to see this is important, but this is where you're vulnerable to hypocrisy. So as we start 2021, we must commit ourselves to almsgiving, praying, and fasting. But our heavenly reward, but for heavenly reward, we must avoid false righteousness that seeks the praise of others. And so I've entitled our message today, Kingdom Righteousness Versus Religious Hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy, but He loves righteousness. His righteousness produced in us as we yield to Him. 
So look at Matthew 6, and let's consider together the first four verses. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Now you'll notice that in each of those verses there is a word that's used each time, and it's alms. The word alms is used, and it means charitable deeds, or at least deeds that ought to be done out of love, charitable deeds, acts of devotion, and religious duty that conform to God's will. So when we meet others' needs, that almsgiving, it's what God does expect, all right? God is giving us guidance about how to do that giving. These actions are expected by the Lord. Look back at verse 2. When ye do your alms, not if you do them, when you do them, it's expected. In Acts 9, verse 36, to help us with the understanding of the meaning of the word, we're told about Dorcas. She had gotten ill, but she had a testimony in the early church for her alms, but in that verse, the translators correctly translated alms deeds. So it's not just offerings that are given to the Lord. Certainly that could be included, but primarily it's, it's the, the charitable acts that we do. When we see a need in somebody's life, we seek to meet that need. We give, we sacrifice, we try to help. That's what is being described here. But Jesus warns, warns about hypocritical giving to the needy. Hypocritical giving to the needy. And that's in verse 1. All right? Here's the warning about hypocritical giving. Take heed. Beware. Watch out. That's what he's saying. That ye do not your alms before men... Here's the idea, for the purpose of being seen of them. Well, I'll do this, I'll help somebody, I'll meet a need because I want people to see what I'm doing and I want them to think well of me. Beware, watch out that you don't do it that for that reason. Now, why the warning? Well, if you do right things to meet others' needs so that you receive the praise of man, notice what the verse says, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. No reward. No eternal benefit for what you've just done. Now, the king wants to give you eternal reward, but if you do it for the motive of being pleasing to men, having their praise, there's no eternal reward. As kingdom citizens, our lives should only please the Father should only impact the kingdom. But hypocritical giving is only about the here and now. It's interesting to note the emphasis that James places on this in James 1.27. We're going to put it right up on the screen for you. Because I love the balance in God's word as he helps us with this. But pure religion and undefiled is this. 
Now, I'm coming back, all right? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Now, there's your almsgiving. Okay? But notice the qualifier in James 1.27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And what James touches on there is this is all about pleasing God. Then it's pure religion and undefiled. Visiting the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Visiting, meeting their needs. And also, by the way, again, as citizens of the kingdom, to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So, pure living as well. Now notice the end, to keep himself unspotted from the world, which would have to include selfish, worldly motives. You know, the, the world, they, they do good things, and some of, some of their motives are, are pure, okay? But many, many times they do it for the very reason it, it's going to help them, it's going to benefit them, uh, and help them get ahead. And that's, we need to be unspotted from that worldliness as well. So notice the help against this kind of hypocritical giving. The Lord mentions a couple things here that will help us be motivated to do our almsgiving for the right reason. First of all, don't lose your reward. Don't lose your reward. One of the reasons that athletes are careful to abide by the rules, and for instance, a marathon runner or whatever, is because you can cross the finish line, you can even cross the finish line first. But if you don't do it lawfully, they're not going to give you any reward. So all that work, all that effort, for nothing. And here's what the Lord is saying to us. Okay? To guard against hypocritical giving, do it in such a way that you don't lose your reward. Look at verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, again, the needed, good deeds to help others. Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites. Now let me just stop for a moment. You know what that word hypocrite also means? And this is how it was used even in Jesus' day and in the Greco-Roman world. It's also the word for actors or impersonators. Actors, impersonators. People pretend to be pretending to be something that they are not. So if I see a need and I strive to meet that need to help somebody else, but I'm doing it for the wrong motive, you know what God says? You're just an actor. You're an impersonator. And so back in Jesus' day, they would sound trumpets. They would do it in the synagogues and the streets that they may have the glory of men, the praise of others. It was interesting studying for the message. Commentators point out, uh, and in fact, several of them do, that we don't have any record, written record in antiquity, that the Pharisees would actually blow trumpets uh, before they would do these good deeds. Uh, and so some brought into question whether or not that actually happened. Well, let me settle our hearts with this. Jesus said it happened, so what do you think? Did it happen? It happened. Okay, And by the way, a lot of those writers in antiquity were Pharisees and rabbis, and they didn't want themselves to look bad, so of course they didn't include it in their writings. But they were doing it. 
They were announcing, everybody come around, gather around, because you're going to see something awesome. Watch me. And, and we, we would say, that is narcissistic. That would repulse us. But that's what was happening. We also know that in modern cultures, one missionary told of uh, what happens in India where Hindu priests have trumpets blown so the bystanders will watch their religious almsgiving. What we know from the text here is that God hates the selfish hypocrisy of it all. But wait a minute. Say, I don't even play a trumpet. Okay. But you know what? This also refers to when we toot our own horn. I can use that expression. And it can be very subtle, the subtle announcements we make to others about the good that we have done or are about to do. Here is how it can happen today. You or I telling someone, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I was taking a meal over to so-and-so. You didn't need to mention that. Uh, By the way, why did you mention that? And if you did it for the praise of man, you've already got your reward. Or how about this? Someone asks, how are you doing today? Response, oh, it's been a busy day. I helped so-and-so do so-and-such and such. -such. Tooting your own horn. Or, I'm tired. I spent the whole morning helping so-and-so with... That's what's referred to here in the text. And it can be so subtle, and we can even try to justify it in our minds, but but that's what the Lord is talking about here. Now, I'm, I'm encouraged because the amount of love and the giving that happens in this church family, and, and, and honestly, I can toot your horn, okay, because I see it. I have heard about it for weeks and weeks and weeks, months, as, as uh, folks have dealt with COVID, okay? And it, it thrills my heart. If it thrills my heart, it, it thrills the heart of God. And you know where I find out about it? Not from the people who have been doing it. It's been from the recipients, what they've received, and they're praising God for what's, what's happened to them. So that's the kind of almsgiving. Now, why is this such a serious matter? Well, Jesus says, verily or truly, I say unto you. When Jesus says something is true, he can bank on it. All right, truly, I say unto you, they have their reward. The idea is they already have it. They've already gotten it. And that was it. Now, this is all about motive. Notice this statement. If I declare my good deed to someone else who was not the recipient of the deed with any hope of exalting myself in their mind, I lose my reward. Just just meditate on that statement for a moment. If I declare my good deed to someone else who was not the recipient of the deed with any hope of exalting myself in their thinking, I lose my reward. So there were a lot of Pharisees where somebody said, wow, look what they gave. Empty, hollow, pretty meaningless, 
And that's all they get. But you know, Christians can do the same thing. And Jesus is warning heaven citizens, don't have those motives. Don't have those motives. No reward from the Father, verse 1, means that he isn't pleased. And the only reward, verse 2, will be empty praise from men. So the help against hypocritical almsgiving is be careful not to lose your reward. But then there's a second help. Do your almsgiving in secret. Do your almsgiving in secret. Verse 3, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Now, I smiled at that when I studied that and thought about that. I don't know about you, but I, I don't do many things well with just one hand. Okay? I'm a musician. So I, I cannot play a trumpet with one hand. Well, I actually can. Now, trombone players can't. That's one of them, unless they use their leg. And Barney's nodding. Okay. So I, I can do some things one hand, but honestly, if you're helping somebody, usually it takes two hands. So, so what is the Lord talking about here? The one hand shouldn't know what the other hand is doing. Well, it's a figurative expression that just means careful secrecy. Even among close relatives, okay? My, my hands and legs, you know, they're close relatives, they work together, okay? What they do is has got to be coordinated. It's important as it works together. But the whole idea is there needs to be secrecy even among close relatives. It also refers to not dwelling on the good deed in our own minds. Here's what my hands have done. Here's, here's what I've, I've done for somebody else. And my mind wants to lock onto that and say, oh, you're, you're pretty great. Even if nobody saw it but the Lord. Oh, yeah, that boy, what a, what a caring person you are. And, and the whole point is, let there be secrecy. You don't do it for any reason but to honor the Lord, His glory. Okay, verse 4. That thine alms may be in secret, kept hidden, and thy father which seeth in secret, he sees it all himself, shall reward thee openly. It is more blessed to give than to receive, right? But I'll tell you, there's an added blessing. When you do it just for the Lord and he rewards openly, oh, that's, that's fun. And we've all heard testimonies. Somebody was burdened about a financial need somebody had, and they didn't tell anybody. They just, they just anonymously gave to that need. And, and they'll, they'll give testimonies like in, in the mail the next week. I overpaid on a medical bill, and I got, the, I got another check back from my doctor, and it was the exact amount of what I gave. Isn't that fun? But what is that? See, it's, it's us doing things in secret, and God rewarding us openly. Now, there's an important balance here, okay? An important balance. Notice, again, uh, what we, we give you on the screen. We keep our good deeds hidden so the Lord knows how much we love Him. At the same time, we serve the needs of others so they know how much we love the Lord and love them. 
So the Lord is not being unreasonable that everything always has to be anonymous. I mean, if you're a blessing to somebody, if you're out mowing their yard for them, they're probably going to see you pushing a mower, okay? All right, the, the Lord understands that. However, we do it because we want the Lord to know, above everything else, we love Him. And it's okay to let others know, and you know what? I love you and care about you. I want to be... I want to be a blessing to you for the glory of God. And, and that, that encourages um, others as well. So this takes us back to chapter 5, the previous chapter in verse 16, where men do need to do good works so that others may see it and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, the Lord has already taught that's okay. He's just saying, now, make sure your motives are right. And one of the things that will help you to keep right motives is just do it in secrecy. Since the motive is praise to the Father, not to ourselves, our good works can be visible, but never for the acclaim of men. The praise of men is trivial. And I like what one commentator said, it's also idolatry. What the Pharisees were doing was not for God. It was for themselves. And who were they worshiping? Who were they serving? Self. Self. It's idolatry. Having other gods before the God of heaven. So almsgiving is the first area the Lord mentions where kingdom righteousness must not turn into religious hypocrisy. We just need to examine our hearts on this. And by the way, looking at a new year, we need to determine, you know, God wants me to give. I need to, I need to be ever ready to meet needs. Lord, use me to do that. But in doing that, my motives need to be pure. And here's the help to make sure that we're glorifying God and laying up treasure in heaven. Now, the second area, and we've mentioned this at the beginning of the message, is prayer. And what we've learned about almsgiving must also be applied to the important work of praying for others. And our prayer lies before God. So beware of, here's the second area, hypocritical praying to other people. So I don't pray to other people. Yeah, you might. You're asked to pray publicly. And honestly, as you pray, you're focused on what you're saying so that people think well of you. Is it possible to pray and not even set our minds on God? Yeah, it can happen. So hypocritical, hypocritical praying to other people, and that's handled in verses 5 to 8. All right? Look at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. By the way, the same places... In church, we could use that expression, in church and out in public, okay? With religious people and out with the community. Corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily, truly I say unto you, they again already have their reward. Now, this is something that I've witnessed personally. And if you've traveled to the Holy Land or you've been 
in some of our major cities that have large Jewish populations, you'll see the Orthodox on street corners, literally out in public, praying in front of everyone. And I've witnessed that a few different times, places where I've traveled. And it breaks my heart because my mind has gone back to this text thinking, friend, what you're doing, that's all you get. That's all you get. Because the God of heaven said, don't stand on that street corner. That's not where you're supposed to pray. Now, we should be prayerful everywhere, right? So don't, again, don't misunderstand. Uh, I can talk to God on a street corner. But if I'm talking to God on a street corner so that everybody's looking at me and thinking that I'm something, God doesn't hear my prayers, and that is useless. Useless. Now, as in verses 1 and 2, there is no reward from the Father, only the empty praise of men. When you pray, you may be heard by others, but their praise shouldn't be why you pray. Instead, here's the help against hypocritical praying. Okay? The help against hypocritical praying. Number one, pray secretly. We've seen that before, right? Give secretly. All right, here you go. Pray secretly. But thou, when thou prayest... Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Every Christian should have a prayer closet or a secret place where they go to be with the Lord without interruption. So here's a question for you this morning. Where's your prayer closet? Say, Pastor, if I got in my prayer closet, they'd have to help me. If, they, if I got in my closet, they'd have to help me out. Okay. Well, that's probably not the best place to pray. But where do you go where you can be alone without interruption and in secret talk to your God? Let me share this illustration. We've got friends that live in North Carolina. I don't know. Maybe they're watching this morning. But the Lord led them there out of Pennsylvania, and they, God gave them a beautiful house, big house that they've renovated, an old house. I love old homes. In some, in some of those old homes, there are back closets and passageways that, that connect to other parts of the house, and this is one of those kinds of houses. Well, they've redone it, and, and, uh, and Renee and I were staying with them a while back, and, and uh, we were just... They were just taking us a tour of the house, and they took us into one of the back areas. There's this back uh, hallway, this kind of a hidden hallway that leads to one of the dormer windows. It's so cool. But when I walked into that hallway, I looked on the side, and there was a small bulletin board. And on that bulletin board were all kinds of prayer lists tacked up. And there was a chair. And you know what I thought? This is so great. I just discovered her prayer closet. And that's where she goes. Closes it. And it's just the two of them. That's where she goes, closes the door, and she is a praying woman. Praise God. And she gets answers to prayer. There was a movie that came out a few years ago called War Room. And one of the things I appreciated about the movie was... There's a woman who's got a prayer closet, and that's her war room. 
everybody needs a prayer closet or a room where you can go and shut the door where you're not going to be interrupted. All right, so pray secretly. One indication that there is a problem is if you pray more publicly than you do in secret. You know, there are Christians like that. They pray in public when they're called on. And again, they pray publicly because, well, I don't want people to think I'm not spiritual. I hope nothing that I'm saying will cause you to withdraw from praying publicly because God has called us to corporate prayer. Look at Matthew 18. We're to agree together uh, about things and present them to the Lord together. Okay. Uh, however, it's true. I believe you can tell by someone's public prayer if they have spoken if they have been spending uh, much time with the Lord in secret prayer. Why? Well, you can tell that they're used to talking to the Father alone. I love to hear some people pray because I get to, I get to witness the relationship that they've built over years talking to the Father in secret. Question, did Jesus ever pray publicly to his father with others listening in. Sure he did. Okay, I would love to have heard those prayers. Well, in fact, I get to read them in the Bible. But you read those prayers and what you discover is here is someone who talked to the father privately a lot. And that should characterize our prayer lives. Pray secretly. Now, the first help against hypocritical praying is praying secretly. Then the king teaches us to pray specifically. Verse 7, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. This is babble, meaningless chatter. Don't do that as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. The commentator F.F. F. Bruce said this, the pagans thought that by endless repetitions and many words, they would inform their gods as to their needs and weary them into granting their requests. And that, that's what they would do. Uh, the incantations, the chanting, and false religions do this all the time. Is there a biblical example of it? Sure there is. Remember the contest on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal? The Bible tells us that the prophets of Baal, they did this very thing. How long did they do it? Scripture tells us they did it for two whole hours. And Elijah's watching this. You remember, he gets involved. You need to shout louder. Maybe he's on vacation. But they thought, and they had faith in this non-existent Baal, that if we cut ourselves and we shout and we, we, we uh, chant and so on, he's going to hear from heaven. Never happened. The Lord is saying, don't do that. He continues in verse 8, be, ye not, ye, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Okay? You don't have to repeat yourself over and over and pray long prayers so maybe God will feel sorry for you or get annoyed with you and then you'll start listening. That's not our God. 
He already knows. Even before you pray, he knows what you need. So you don't need to do that. You don't have to inform God. Wear him down to grant your request. Since he already knows what you need. However, some have taken this to mean that since God already knows, I don't need to pray. That's not what the passage is teaching. That's not the point. Just as the Lord expects us to give to the needs of others, so look at verse 7 again. He expects you to pray. When you pray, the Lord's expecting you're going to be praying. Okay? The point is, don't use endless chants and meaningless words when you talk to God. Don't, don't do that. By the way, parents, help your children when they pray. Do not get into the rut of praying the same thing over and over. And you young people that are listening, this is very important. When you talk to God, talk to God. You don't talk to your friends or to your parents this way. Hello, mother, how are you doing today? Have a nice day. You don't do that. It doesn't build a relationship, and that indicates that you don't mean what you're saying. Don't talk to the God of heaven that way. But you can repeat yourself. That's okay. Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he say? Let this cup pass from me. Okay. But every word that he said, he meant, and his heart was burned. He, he meant it. And we can repeat ourselves to the Father, but we need to be specific. We need to mean it. And it needs to come from a heart that is trusting, praying in faith, praying according to his will, Praying that which is worthy of him. And praying in a way that brings him glory. What you say to God in secret will become a public answer for his glory. And then you can brag on him. An old preacher that I heard years ago had a message that he preached. God, if you do it, I'll tell it. God, if you do it, I'll tell it. That guy saw answers to prayer. He spent lots of time praying in secret. And it, it was no secret that he did it, but it's not because he was tooting his own horn. People just knew his life. The man knew how to get a hold of God, and he spent lots of time alone with God. And he would just talk about the answers to prayer. God, if you do it, I'll tell it. I'm so thankful that the Lord has led us to this text this final day of 20, or this first Lord's Day, rather, in 2021. No matter what we face this new year, and I'm wondering, no matter what we face, God intends to use it so that He can reward our righteous responses through sincere almsgiving and prayer. You will have unlimited opportunities to respond to the needs of others. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and you'll have unlimited opportunities to get along with God in prayer. To pray specifically for the needs you have. The needs that others have. The spiritual needs that we all have. However, God sees our motives. And He is not glorified through... And he will not reward us if there's religious hypocrisy. So make sure that the good works you do before men are only
for the glory of your Father in heaven. And I want to challenge us today to set our hearts on true righteousness, kingdom righteousness, and that we're constantly aware if religious hypocrisy is trying to creep in. And let's follow what God has shown us today so that that, that is not a part of who we are. Because God wants to be glorified through us, and He does want to bless us by what we give and how we pray. Let's go to the Lord together. Father, thank You for this text. These are eight powerful verses. Of course, all Your Word is powerful. But, but Lord, this, this really does impact us. Because we know what You expect of us. And, and from our hearts, where the Holy Spirit indwells, Lord, we, we want to be a blessing to others. <clears throat> we want to see answers to prayer. But Lord, we do know that with this flesh we can be easily influenced to do it for the wrong reasons and for self. So Father, I would ask that you would help Good News to continue to be a loving, giving church. Lord, you tell us that what we do to another brother or sister in Christ, we do to Jesus directly. But Lord, again, when we do it for ourselves, the blessing is taken away. So Lord, help us to be givers, help us to be prayers. Lord, and help us to be ever conscious of our hearts and our motives so that you receive ultimate glory. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.